So uh, I'm going to open up in prayer real quick, and we'll start. We just thank you, Father, for your word and who you are and how you reveal yourself to us through your word by your spirit. And we just ask, Lord, that you would do what you do best in this day. Glorify yourself. May you be high and lifted up and exalted. May you receive all the glory. So just guide our hearts and minds through your spirit so that we can hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to have to get all my notes. If you ever wonder how something's prepared with somebody with ADHD, I got about 10 different pages. It's everywhere, you know, but it's actually, we're going to uh, start with the Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8. It's actually my favorite psalm, you know, it's a, it's pretty good. So let's see if I can still recall it from memory. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, then I shall not be put to shame. Have my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good psalm to try to memorize or memorize, but yeah. So this, this is a, one of my favorite psalms because it's interesting in that legitimately it's all about God's word. There's uh, eight different words in Hebrew that pertain to God's word in this, and almost every verse has one of these eight words as a reference, or it's referencing back to God's word. So, And it's also an acrostic. Anybody know what an acrostic is? It's not a cross made out of a stick. But <laughs> That was a good one. I just made that up on the spot. All right. All. But actually what it is, is it has eight verses each that correspond with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So you do 8 times 22, and you get 176 verses. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. You know, and of course it starts with Aleph. And then the next one is Bet, and I think that's where we get our alphabet from. I bet it is. You know, because the first two words in Greek are Alpha and Beta. They might have stole it from the Hebrews anyways. <laughs> It makes sense, though. But so the first term uh, that we look at is law, which is Torah. And the meaning is instruction, first five books. The second is testimonies, which is, you know, I'm horrible at pronouncing Hebrew, but it's Edot. Maybe Shari could help, I don't know, or, or Zafia. She gave me the thumbs up, so it's good. And Edot is what God solemnly testifies to be as well. The third is precepts, or Pikudin, what God has appointed to be done. The fourth is statutes, what the divine lawgiver has laid down. Fifth is commandments, what God has commanded. Rules, what the divine judge has ruled to be right. And word, what God has spoken. 
so legitimately, you can just see from the first uh, eight verses that there's a lot of God's word in there pertaining to God's word, whether it's statutes, commandments, precepts, law. It's all about God's word. So coincidentally, it's one of my favorites. So it starts out with, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the instruction of the Lord or law. See, I'm, I'm putting the definition in there for you. If you noticed, and it's interesting that blessed has, in, in our culture, has like a, uh, a temporal connotation to it. Oh, that person's blessed because they're in this circumstance or they have this or that. But biblical blessing is way different, not even close. It has to do with our position with God because ultimately, where do all blessings come from? Well, they certainly don't come from the devil. They come from God. Praise God in heaven above through whom all blessings flow. And another translation of that could be how happy. How happy are those? How happy are those whose way is blameless? Who walk in the law of the Lord? I said, wow, yeah, that is pretty good. But I said, wait a minute. I've never been blameless before in the past. So how could somebody be happy or blessed, be blameless, and walk in the law of the Lord? Do we know anybody who's blameless? Does somebody raise their hand. You know anybody who's blameless? Outside of Christianity? See, <laughs> I've seen a couple, couple of people knew what it was. <laughs> so then in all reality, how happy are those whose ways blameless who walk in the law of the Lord? How is that possible? Because we know that once the law is spoken, what does it do? It brings conviction. It actually condemns. And hopefully it brings conviction. You know, because conviction is actually a good word. Technically, we're all convicts. Figure that one out. <laughs> but to be blameless means to be without blemish, complete, full, perfect, integrity, or truth. So to be that is more than just uh, trying to do something and not do something. But then it's more than that who walk in the law of the Lord or instruction and walk has a way as a way of life. I think most people know that, right? When you walk, like everybody always says, oh, wow, his, his or her walks good. That's their way of life. Who walk in the law of the Lord. So can anyone be blessed by these standards in and of themselves? No. The blessing can't come from what I do it absolutely cannot because I can't be blameless and I can't fully walk in the law of the Lord it's impossible based upon human strength so then what's the ultimate answer and it's Psalm 32 1 to 2 blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. 
Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. So then we have the ultimate answer to that. Only in Jesus can we truly be blessed. And the blessing has to do with the fact that we've been forgiven, not what we do or don't have or what we do or don't do. The work is accomplished by him, and it's in him that we have blessing. It's in him that we're blameless. It's in him that we can finally walk in the law of the Lord, because what happens after you believe? You get a down payment. His spirit comes inside you, then through his grace, your heart becomes like God's. So there's a big difference. So outside of Christ, it's utterly hopeless. Inside of Christ, it's a privilege to be able to be blameless and to walk in the law of the Lord. That means you're walking with God. Your manner of life is that of Jesus's because his spirit resides in you. And then we got with the second one. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Or you can say blessed are those who do what God solemnly testifies to be his will, who seek him with their whole heart. So now it's starting to open up a little bit. First it starts out with being blameless in a walk, but then it's more than that. Because a lot of times we can walk, but are we really doing it? Because most people only see the outside, but God sees the inside. So then blessed are those who do what God solemnly testifies to be as well, who seek him with their whole heart. So it's a wholehearted walk. That's what it is. God wants the heart first and foremost. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect because we have a pretty good or bad example of somebody who was after God's own heart in Scripture. Anybody remember who that is? King David. Was David perfect? No. He, uh, what did he do? He committed adultery, got the woman pregnant, then murdered her husband to cover it up. You want to talk about scandal? Well, put it this way. You can see how good God's grace is because even after that, he still was king. If an elected official would have done that today, do you think they would still have their position? No, they would be in prison. And they would never run for office again. So it wasn't David's actions, it was his heart. Now, I'm, don't do that. By all means, that doesn't give a license to do that. Because there were consequences to that. What happened? His first baby with Bathsheba died. And that was a judgment from God. So God is just. But it's interesting, uh, for, to keep his testimony, he's actually did a little bit of studying on that. To keep means to guard, protect, obey. Something that has inherent value or needs to be guarded or obeyed. So those that keep what God solemnly testifies to be his will, it's something that is valuable. You guard it. It's almost like a keep in a castle, if anybody knows what that is. Anybody uh, know the keep in the castle? It usually goes in the middle, and it's a tower, and it's when the castle gets overrun that the people can take refuge in it. It's the last line of defense. 
against being overran or being killed. So it's a refuge. So that's what I think of when I, you know, my ADHD mind keep, those who keep his testimonies. It's in the center of everything I have well guarded to stop the enemy from coming in to overtake me. So blessed are those who do or keep what God solemnly testifies to be his will, who seek him with their whole heart. And then I think, has anybody done that? Of course, no. But Jesus kept his testimonies perfectly. He was a pleasing sacrifice. I mean, after all, he is the word. In more ways than one, obviously. <laughs> but then it starts with another thing. Seek. We have walk, keep, seek. These are actions, right? To seek is to tread or frequent in worship intellect or intellect. So it's constantly going towards God in worship. And it's more than just a feeling. It's in your mind as well, too. It's a learning process. Uh, to worship and to walk, you know, it's like you just don't automatically as a baby jump up and start running a marathon. You have to train even to walk to begin with. And then you start to learn how to run. And then you have to train to do a marathon. Well, you know, the Christian walk kind of is a marathon. An ultra marathon, it doesn't end after, you know, 23 miles. It's a lifelong thing. But if we're seeking God, then we can keep moving forward. We seek him with our whole heart. We guard it. We keep it up. It's a treasure. That's what it is. It's, it's a privilege. And then, of course, the heart, which is kind of cool, in a couple other places in the Hebrew, it actually means the liver. It really does, you know. Here, I, I didn't think it did. I, I think I looked it up. But it's the feelings, the will, and even, likewise, the center of anything. So to do it with your whole heart means all of you, your inner being, your centermost person. So then, in essence, when we're doing that, we're doing God's will. That's what this is about, because this is all about God's word in different forms or another. And there's a blessing in that, the blessing of putting God's will above everything else with the whole heart of our inmost being. What is that? Does anybody remember what it was like to serve the world? We all did before we came to Christ. We were enslaved and we didn't even know it. So then in serving God with the whole heart, and that's kind of the funny thing, because outside of Christ, if you've had that experience, you always, oh, wow, those people are enslaved. That's a lie. I know personally from being a Christian that uh, since I've been a, wait, I have been to jail, but that was overseas on the mission field. And I didn't, yeah, I kind of did break a law, but it wasn't bad. I did go to jail. But you know what? When I was arrested, it was a lot different than arrest, getting arrested for being a criminal. Big difference. When you get arrested for Jesus, you get the witness to the cops, not be terrified of them. And I actually got to do that. It was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, but there's freedom in that. So why would we keep what God solemnly testifies to be his will? 
Because there's freedom. There's absolute freedom in it. I mean, could you ask for anything else? The creator of the universe? Being able to serve his purposes and his will? That's, that's an extreme privilege. You know, could you imagine working for a very powerful person and get to be their emissary? Oh, yeah, I work for so-and-so. I'm like, really? I work for God. I got you beat. Now, he's like the most high. He's the king of kings. He's the reason you have your authority. That's who I work for. I think I'll stick with him. And starting with verse 3, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. And so then the response of doing that is that our way of life is we do not make a practice of evil or injustice. But what's iniquity? Iniquity is active and known rebellion against God. That's actually the translation in the King James. I like that translation better. Because there's an interesting thing about iniquity in the law. In the law, there is no sacrifice or forgiveness for iniquity. You can't sacrifice a lamb or a sheep or a dove or a pigeon if you're poor. You know. So then there's a really big problem. Who also do no wrong or do no iniquity but walk in his ways. And the ways is the road, way, path, course of life. It's our moral character, our way of life. And it's only in Jesus that we can find that, of course, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So we only find freedom in him. And then verse 4, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently, or you have commanded what you have appointed to be done, to be kept diligently. And to be diligent about something is up to abundance, to a great degree, exceeding. And it's kind of cool because that's, that's a pretty big standard. You know, because you can do something half-heartedly or you can do it diligently with all your heart. So he's commanding us to keep his precepts diligently. And the awesome thing about it is he commands us, which it's interesting because when, when God commands, he leaves a choice for us. It's a cooperation. You know, because if you think before, usually God's so powerful, right, when he speaks something, he speaks it into existence. He said, let there be light. And the light wasn't like, well, I don't know. I don't think I want to shine. With us, it's a relationship he commands us. Therefore, it's a cooperation between us and him to how we respond to his word. There's a big difference, and that's a privilege in and of itself, too. That's a blessing. We get to participate with God. Like, wow, that sounds very commanding. I'll, I'll take it. I prefer that one. You know, it, and then verse 5, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. So now we see at the first four or five verses that it shows us the way of life and how we should be. But then once we recognize it, what's the response? 
Repentance, conviction. That's the response. When you look at it, when you look at who God is, when you look at his word and what he demands, you know you can't do it. You know it's impossible. You know it's impossible to even try to emulate who he is. You know, I remember a couple months ago, somebody said, I am the truth, got up like this. And I said, oh, really? You ever tell a lie? And they were like, yeah. And I said, no, you're not. You're a liar. Pretty funny. God is the way, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So don't be fooled if you think that you can or that you are God. You're not. You never will be. But it's awesome. That's what it brings about is it brings about repentance, conviction, and a desire to give more of our heart and to be securely determined in our wills and ways for God. That's what conviction is. God changed my heart. And that's an ongoing process. I mean, even after reading this, I was like, yep, I feel that every day. <laughs> Which is good. It's very good because that shows that we're giving more of our heart to God. And allowing him to work in and through us in a bigger and greater way by doing that. And it's interesting that keeping statutes literally means to put a hedge about it. That's what it means. The hedge or guard. That's what we do. Or allow God to do. There is something we participate in, but it's by God's grace. And all we do is submit to the command. That's the response. And then 119 verse 6. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. And it's, it's kind of interesting that when you serve God, truly, there is no shame. It's one of the best things ever, right? Because, I mean, when you look before, you know when you're not serving God, there's usually shame involved. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. But how do we do that? Well, I like how God tends to answer the question right there in the next sentence in his word. That's why I always say, look in the word. You'll find the answer right away usually or before or after. You know, he's pretty good at explaining stuff, you know, making a mystery because he knows how foolish we are in trying to explain stuff ourselves, explain stuff ourselves. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments so we fix our eyes. We cooperate. We look to Jesus, the best example, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And if you look at the context of that within Hebrews, it has to do with our battle with sin, to stay encouraged. That's the context of that passage. Just look at it with your 2020 vision. I think we learned that the other night. So then the response, because you're starting to see that it changed from what it looks like, then comes conviction, then you're starting to see that it's, then I will, then I shall. Next verse, I will praise you with an upright hurt when I learn your righteous rules. So you see how it's becoming more personal now. It's starting with the response. So our response is praise, then obedience. And it's kind of funny, when you look up the definition for praise, it can be uh, a lifting up of hands like shooting an arrow. I guess that's probably why they lift holy hands. 
I have a hard time doing it because I have bad shoulders. At least that's my excuse. <laughs> or it can mean to give thanks. Or it can mean to call on God's name. Or it can mean to confess. That, her, that whole word contains so much different stuff. It's not just singing songs. It's a lot more than that. It has to do with the heart. It's a heart condition. So I will praise you with an upright heart. And how could we not praise him if we did not have an upright heart? Because in knowing him and repenting and having conviction and accepting the sacrifice, then we have the upright heart. And then the response is that. And that's a heart that is right. It's upright. Pretty simple. A heart that is right with God. So that is the response. The response is the way of life, that everything is praised, given thanks for everything. Confession is a part of it. You know. And then we learn. It's a process. When I learn your righteous rules, we just don't automatically from our old way of life assume what God wants and how to do it. I've seen a lot of people that do that. And I've done it myself. And I think 10 times out of 10, I've been wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's 100% failure rate. 100% failure rate. So never do I ever think that I can't be taught or that I have learned. I have attained it, just like Paul. He says, I haven't attained to it. The Apostle Paul says that. And uh, he was a Pharisee. He probably had most of the Old Testament memorized. And even he said he couldn't do it. So it's a learning process. But the awesome things is the result is praise. So the blessing of putting God's will above everything else with the whole of our inmost being. There could be nothing higher. And I, I have a couple things that I put because I've actually meditated on this psalm before. It takes about half a year if you do a verse a day, a little bit more. It's, it's pretty good. I got to get notes on my study Bible on my phone. I rarely use that, except when I'm using it. <laughs> so we can start with it starts with blessing. In the middle, it goes to conviction and repentance, and then it ends on praise. And that's how the psalm starts, and it makes perfect sense. So we'll start with blessing. To be blessed is to have God's divine favor upon us. And in this verse, this blessing comes with those whose way is blameless. To be blameless is to be innocent of any wrongdoing. Being blessed is much more deeper and greater in the kingdom of God than when we contrast being blessed in the world. I am blessed when my way is blameless, but why? What a greater and more priceless gift can we receive than being cleared of our guilt before our holy and righteous God and in turn being saved from eternal punishment and condemnation? What does it mean to be blessed in the world? Approval, popularity, material abundance, and freedom to pursue every and any pleasure, whether good and bad, disregarding the eternal consequences, as all these world's blessings come to nothing when our souls pass from this world as we meet the divine judge from whom we must give an account of our rebellion against him with no hope of clearing our conscience in this present 
in the presence of holiness as he executes eternal justice and judgment. Which one's better? Living in the here and now doing whatever I want or being blessed eternally? You can't even compare them. There's no comparison. No comparison whatsoever. And then we end with praise. To praise God is to give him admiration and gratitude and an act of worship. Worship comes with adoration and reverence to our holy, unchanging, steadfast, faithful, perfect, righteous, and all-loving, benevolent creator. We have many characteristics from the unique and perfect nature of God from which when we meditate upon these things, the response is praise, is worship, is gratitude, is admiration, is adoration, is reverence. And all of this comes from the inmost part and center of our being, our heart, where the Holy Spirit dwells and overflows like a spring that never runs dry and starts out as a bubbling puddle of water and over time turns into a raging, life-sustaining river of living water. You ever been to the headwaters of a creek? A little spring out of the ground, and then you go seven miles downstream, and you're jumping off a 40-foot cliff in the 20-foot deep water. So there's the experience. It's an experience. It starts. It's not all at once. It turns into a river but then the river can sustain a lot of other things. Praise and worship is so much more than just song and dance, and the main purpose of worship is not for my own gratification, but rather the pleasure of God. This type of worship pleases the Father, and in pleasing Him, we reap the fruits of this praise and worship. Amen.